1. Search lights on health the science of eugenics a guide to purity and physical manhood advice to maiden, wife and mother love, courtship, and marriage by Professor B.G. Jethroes, M.D.P.H. D. Knowledge is safety. 1. The old maxim, that, knowledge is power, is a true one, but there is still a greater truth, knowledge is safety, safety amid physical ills that beset mankind, and safety amid the moral pitfalls that surround so many young people, is the great crying demand of the age, 2. Criticism, this work, though plain and to some extent startling, is chaste, practical and to the point, and will be a boon and a blessing to thousands who consult its pages, the world is full of ignorance, and the ignorant will always criticize, because they love to suffer ills, for they know no better, new light is fast falling upon the dark corners, and the eyes of many are being opened. 3. Researches of Science The researches of science in the past few years have thrown light on many facts relating to the physiology of man and woman, and the diseases to which they are subject, and consequently many reformations have taken place in the treatment and prevention of diseases peculiar to the sexes. 4. Lock and Key Any information bearing upon the diseases of mankind should not be kept under lock and key. The physician is frequently called upon to speak in plain language to his patients upon some private and startling disease contracted on account of ignorance. The better plan, however, is to so educate and enlighten old and young upon the important subjects of health, so that the necessity to call a physician may occur less frequently. 5. Progression A large, respectable, though diminishing class in every community maintain that nothing that relates exclusively to either sex should become the subject of popular medical instruction. But such an opinion is radically wrong, ignorance is no more the mother of purity than it is of religion. Enlightenment can never work injustice to him who investigates. 6. An example. The men and women who study and practice medicine are not the worst, but the better for such knowledge, so it would be to the community in general if all would be properly instructed on the laws of health which relate to the sexes. 7. Crime and Degradation Had every person a sound understanding on the relation of the sexes, one of the most fertile sources of crime and degradation would be removed. Physicians know too well what sad consequences are constantly occurring from a lack of proper knowledge on these important subjects. 8. A Consistent Consideration Let the reader of this work study its pages carefully and be able to give safe counsel and advice to others, and remember that purity of purpose and purity of character are the brightest jewels in the crown of immortality, the beginning of life. 1. The beginning. There is a charm in opening manhood which has commended itself to the imagination in every age. The undefined hopes and promises of the future the dawning strength of intellect the vigorous flow of passion the very exchange of home ties and protected joys for free and manly pleasures. Give to this period an interest and excitement and felt, perhaps, at any other. 2. The growth of independence. Hitherto life has been to boys, as to girls. A dependent existence is separate from the parent growth a home discipline of authority and guidance and communicated impulse but henceforth it is a transplanted growth of its own a new and free power of activity in which the mainspring is no longer authority or law from without, but principle or opinion within, the shoot which has been nourished under the shelter of the parent stem, and bent according to its inclination, is transferred to the open world, where of its own impulse and character it must take root, and grow into strength, or sink into a weakness and vice. 3. Home Ties the thought of home must excite a pang even in the first moments of freedom, 
its glad shelter its kindly guidance its very restraints. How dear and tender must they seem in parting! How brightly must they shine in the retrospect as the youth turns from them to the hardened and unfamiliar face of the world! With what a sweet sadly cheering pathos they must linger in the memory! And then what chance and hazard is there in his newly gotten freedom? What instincts of warning in its very novelty and given experience? What possibilities of failure as well as of success in the unknown future as it stretches before him? For, by so our virtue, certainly there is a grave importance as well as a pleasant charm in the beginning of life. There is awe as well as excitement in it when rightly viewed. The possibilities that lie in it of noble or ignoble work of happy self-sacrifice or ruinous self-indulgence the capacities in the right use of which it may rise to heights of beautiful virtue, in the abuse of which it may sink to the depths of debasing vice make the crisis one of fear as well as of hope, of sadness as well as of joy. 5. Success or our failure. It is wistful as well as pleasing to think of the young passing year by year into the world, and engaging with its duties, its interests and temptations, of the throng that struggle at the gates of entrance, how many may reach their anticipated goal, carry the mind forward a few years, and some have climbed the hills of difficulty and gained the eminence on which they wish to stand some, although they may not have done this, have kept their truth and hurt, their integrity unspoiled, but others have turned back, or have perished by the way, or fallen in weakness of will, no more to rise again, victims or their own sin. 6. Warning. As we place ourselves with the young at the opening gates of life, and think of the end from the beginning, it is a deep concern more than anything else that fills us. Words of earnest argument and warning counsel rather than of congratulation rise to our lips. 7. Mistakes are often fatal. Begin well and the habit of doing well will become quite as easy as the habit of doing badly. Well begun is half-ended, says the proverb, and a good beginning is half the battle. Many promising young men have irretrievably injured themselves by a first false step at the commencement of life, while others of much less promising talents, have succeeded simply by beginning well, and going onward. The good, practical beginning is to a certain extent, a pledge, a promise, and an assurance of the ultimate prosperous issue. There is many a poor creature, now crawling through life, miserable himself and the cause of sorrow to others, who might have lifted up his head and prospered. If, instead of merely satisfying himself with resolutions of well-doing, he had actually gone to work and made a good, practical beginning. 8. Begin at the right place. Too many are, however, impatient of results. They are not satisfied to begin where their fathers did, but where they left off. They think to enjoy the fruits of industry without working for them. They cannot wait for the results of labor and application, but forestall them by too early indulgence health a duty. Perhaps nothing will so much hasten the time when body and mind will both be adequately cared for, as a diffusion of the belief that the preservation of health is a duty. Few seem conscious that there is such a thing as physical morality. Men's habitual words and acts imply that they are at liberty to treat their bodies as they please. Disorder entailed by disobedience to nature's dictates they regard as grievances, not as the effects of a conduct more or less flagitious. Though the evil consequences inflicted on their descendants and on future generations are often as great as those caused by crime, they do not think themselves in any degree criminal. It is true that in the case of drunkenness the viciousness of a bodily transgression is recognized, but none appear to infer that if this bodily transgression is vicious, so too is every bodily transgression. 
the fact island all breaches of the law of health or physical sins, when this is generally seen, then, and perhaps not till then, will the physical training of the young receive all the attention it deserves. Purity of life and thought should be taught in the home. It is the only safeguard of the young. Let parents wake up on this important subject. Value of reputation. 1. Who shall estimate the cost? Who shall estimate the cost of a priceless reputation that impress which gives this human dross its currency without which we stand despised, debased, depreciated? Who shall repair it injured? Who can redeem it lost? Oh, well and truly does the great philosopher of poetry esteem the world's wealth as trash in the comparison. Without it gold has no value, birth, no distinction, station, no dignity, beauty, no charm, age, no reverence. Without it every treasure impoverishes, every grace deforms, every dignity degrades, and all the arts, the decorations and accomplishments of life stand, like the beacon blaze upon a rock, warning the world that its approach is dangerous, that its contact is death. 2. The wretch without it. The wretch without it is under eternal quarantine, no friend to greet, no home to harbor him. The voyage of his life becomes a joyless peril, and in the midst of all ambition can achieve or avarice amass, or rapacity plunder, he tosses on the surge, a buoyant pestilence, but let me not degrade into selfishness of individual safety or individual exposure this individual principle, it testifies a higher, a more ennobling origin, 3, its divinity, oh, divine, oh, delightful legacy of a spotless reputation, rich is the inheritance it leaves, pious the example it testifies, pure, precious and imperishable, the hope which it inspires, can there be conceived a more atrocious injury than to filch from its possessor this inestimable benefit to rob society of its charm, and solitude of its solace, not only to outlaw life, but attain death, converting the very grave, the refuge of the sufferer, into the gate of infamy and of shame, for, lost character, we can conceive few crimes beyond it, he who plunders my property takes from me that which can be repaired by time, but what period can repair a ruined reputation? He who maims my person affects that which medicine may remedy, but what herb has sovereignty over the wounds of slander? He who ridicules my poverty or reproaches my profession, upbraids me with that which industry may retrieve, and integrity may purify, but what riches shall redeem the bankrupt fame? What power shall blanch the solid show of character? There can be no injury more deadly, there can be no crime more cruel, it is without remedy. It is without antidote. It is without evasion. Influence of associates. If you always live with those who are lame, you will learn to limp. From the Latin. If men wish to be held in esteem, they must associate with those who are estimable. L-A-B-R-U-Y-R-E. 1. By what men are known. An author is known by his writings. A mother by her daughter. A fool by his words. And all men by their companions. 2. Formation of a good character. Intercourse with persons of decided virtue and excellence is of great importance in the formation of a good character. The force of example is powerful, we are creatures of imitation, and, by unnecessary influence, our tempers and habits are very much formed on the model of those with whom we familiarly associate. Better be alone than in bad company. Evil communications corrupt good manners, ill qualities are catching as well as diseases, and the mind is at least as much, if not a great deal more liable to infection, than the body, go with mean people, and you think life is mean, 3, good example, 
How natural is it for a child to look up to those around him for an example of imitation, and how readily does he copy all that he sees done, good or bad. The importance of a good example on which the young may exercise this powerful and active element of their nature, is a matter of the utmost moment. For, a true maxim, it is a trite, but true maxim, that, a man is known by the company he keeps, he naturally assimilates by the force of imitation, to the habits and manners of those by whom he is surrounded. We know persons who walk much with the lame, who have learned to walk with a hitch or limp like their lame friends, vice stalks in the streets and abashed and children copy it. 5. Live with the culpable. Live with the culpable, and you will be very likely to die with the criminal. Bad company is like a nail driven into a post, which after the first or second blow, may be drawn out with little difficulty, but being once driven in up to the head, the pinchers cannot take hold to draw it out, which can only be done by the destruction of the wood. You may be ever so pure. You cannot associate with bad companions without falling into bad odor. 6. Society of the Vulgar. Do you love the society of the vulgar? Then you are already debased in your sentiments. Do you seek to be with the profane? In your heart you are like them. Are jesters and buffoons your choice friends? He who loves to laugh at folly is himself the fool. Do you love and seek the society of the wise and good? Is this your habit? Had you rather take the lowest seat among these than the highest seat among others? Then you have already learned it to be good. You may not make very much progress, but even a good beginning is not to be despised. 7. Sinks of pollution. Strive for mental excellence, and strict integrity, and you never will be found in the sinks of pollution, and on the benches of retailers and gamblers. Once habituate yourself to a virtuous course, once secure a love of good society, and no punishment would be greater than by accident to be obliged for half a day to associate with the low and vulgar. Try to frequent the company of your betters. 8. Procure no friend in haste, nor, if once secured, in haste abandon them. Be slow in choosing an associate, and slower to change him. Slight no man for poverty, nor esteem anyone for his wealth. Good friends should not be easily forgotten, nor used as suits of apparel, which, when we have worn them threadbare, we cast them off, and call for new. When once you profess yourself a friend, Endeavor to be always such. He can never have any true friends that will be often changing them. 9. Have the courage to cut the most agreeable acquaintance. Do this when you are convinced that he lacks principle. A friend should bear with a friend's infirmities, but not with his vices. He that does a base thing in zeal for his friend, burns the golden thread that ties their hearts together. Self-control. Honor and profit do not always lie in the same sack. George Herbert. The government of oneself is the only true freedom for the individual. Frederick Curtis, it is length of patience, and endurance, and forbearance that so much of what is called good in mankind and womankind is shown. Arthur helps. 1. Essence of character. Self-control is only courage under another form. It may also be regarded as the primary essence of character. It is in virtue of this quality that Shakespeare defines man as a being, looking before and after. It forms the chief distinction between man and the mere animal, and, indeed, there can be no true manhood without it. 2. Root of all the virtues. Self-control is at the root of all the virtues. Let a man give the reins to his impulses and passions, and from that moment he yields up his moral freedom. He is carried along the current of life, and becomes the slave of his strongest desire for the time being. 3. Resist instinctive impulse. 
To be morally free to be more than an animal man must be able to resist instinctive impulse, and this can only be done by exercise of self-control. Thus it is this power which constitutes the real distinction between a physical and a moral life, and that forms the primary basis of individual character. For a strong man are you alleviate his own spirit. In the Bible praise is given, not to a strong man who take the city, but to the stronger man who ruleth his own spirit. This stronger man is he who, by discipline, exercises a constant control over his thoughts, his speech, and his acts. Nine-tenths of the vicious desires that degrade society, and which, when indulged, swell into the crimes that disgrace it, would shrink into insignificance before the advance of valiant self-discipline, self-respect, and self-control. By the watchful exercise of these virtues, purity of heart and mind become habitual, and the character is built up in chastity, virtue, and temperance. 5. The best support. The best support of character will always be found in habit which, according as the will is directed rightly or wrongly, as the case may be, will prove either a benignant ruler, or a cruel despot, we may be its willing subject on the one hand, or its servile slave on the other, it may help us on the road to good, or it may hurry us on the road to ruin. 6. The ideal man, in the supremacy of self-control, says Herbert Spencer, consists one of the perfections of the ideal man, not to be impulsive, not to be spurred hither and thither by each desire that in turn comes uppermost, but to be self-restrained, self-balanced, governed by the joint decision of the feelings in council assembled, before whom every action shall have been fully debated, and calmly determined that it is which education, moral education at least, strives to produce. 7. The best regulated home. The best regulated home is always that in which the discipline is the most perfect, and yet where it is the least felt. Moral discipline acts with the force of the law of nature, those subject to it yield themselves to it unconsciously, and though it shapes and forms the whole character, until the life becomes crystallized in habit, the influence thus exercised is for the most part unseen and almost unfelt. 8. Practice self-denial. If a man would get through life honorably and peaceably, he must necessarily learn to practice self-denial in small things as well as in great. Men have to bear as well as to forbear. The temper has to be held in subjection to the judgment, and the little demons of ill-humor, petulance, and sarcasm, kept resolutely at a distance. If once they find an entrance to the mind, they are apt to return, and to establish for themselves a permanent occupation there. 9. Power of words. It is necessary to one's personal happiness, to exercise control over one's words as well as acts, for there are words that strike even harder than blows and men may speak daggers, though they use none, the stinging repartee that rises to the lips, and which, if uttered, might cover an adversary with confusion, how difficult it is to resist saying it, heaven, keep us, says Miss Bremer, in her home, from the destroying power of words, there are words that sever hearts more than sharp swords do, there are words the point of which stim the heart through the course of the whole life, 10, character exhibits itself, Character exhibits itself in self-control of speech as much as in anything else. The wise and forbearant man will restrain his desire to say a smart or severe thing at the expense of another's feeling, while the fool blurts out what he thinks, and will sacrifice his friend rather than his joke. The mouth of the wise man, said Solomon, is in his heart, the heart of a fool is in his mouth. 11. Burns. 
No one knew the value of self-control better than the poet Burns, and no one could teach it more eloquently to others. But when it came to practice, Burns was as weak as the weakest. He could not deny himself the pleasure of uttering a harsh and clever sarcasm at another's expense. One of his biographers observed of him, that it was no extravagant arithmetic to say that for every ten jokes he made himself a hundred enemies. But this was not all. Poor Burns exercised no control over his appetites, but freely gave them the rein. Thus thoughtless follies laid him low, and stained his name. 12. Sout pollution. Nor had he the self-denial to resist giving publicity to compositions originally intended for the delight of the taproom, but which continued secretly to sout pollution broadcast in the minds of youth. Indeed, notwithstanding the many exquisite poems of this writer, it is not saying too much that his immoral writings have done far more harm than his pure writings have done good, and it would be better that all his writings should be destroyed and forgotten, provided his indecent songs could be destroyed with them. 13. Moral Principle. Many of our young men lack moral principle. They cannot look upon a beautiful girl with a pure heart and pure thoughts. They have not manifested or practiced that self-control which develops true manhood and brings into subordination evil thoughts, evil passions, and evil practices. Men who have no self-control will find life a failure, both in a social and in a business sense. The world despises an insignificant person who lacks backbone and character. Stand upon your manhood and womanhood, honor your convictions, and dare to do right. 14. Strong drink. There is the habit of strong drink. It is only the lack of self-control that brings men into the depths of degradation, on account of the cup. The habit of taking drink occasionally in its milder forms of playing with a small appetite that only needs sufficient playing with to make you a demon or a dolt. You think you are safe? I know you are not safe. If you drink at all, and when you get offended with the good friends that warn you of your danger, you are a fool. I know that the grave swallows daily. My scores, drunkards, every one of whom thought he was safe while he was forming his appetite. But this is old talk. A young man in this age who forms the habit of drinking, or puts himself in danger of forming the habit, is usually so weak that he does not realize the consequences. Habit. It is almost as difficult to make a man and learn his errors as his knowledge. Colton. There are habits contracted by bad example, or bad management, before we have judgment to discern their approaches, or because the eye of reason is laid asleep, or has not compass of view sufficient to look around on every quarter. Tucker. 1. Habit. Our real strength in life depends upon habits formed in early life. The young man who sows his wild oats and indulges in the social cup, is fastening chains upon himself that never can be broken. The innocent youth by solitary practice of self-abuse will fasten upon himself a habit which will wreck his physical constitution and bring suffering and misery and ruin. Young man and young woman, beware of bad habits formed in early life. 2. A bundle of habits. Man, it has been said, is a bundle of habits, and habit is second nature. Metastasio entertained so strong an opinion as to the power of repetition in act and thought, that he said, all is habit in mankind even virtue itself, evil habits must be conquered, or they will conquer us and destroy our peace and happiness, 3, vicious habits, vicious habits, when opposed, offer the most vigorous resistance on the first attack, at each successive encounter this resistance grows fainter and fainter, until finally it ceases altogether and the victory is achieved, habit is man's best friend and worst enemy, it can exalt him to the highest pinnacle of virtue, 
honor and happiness, or sink him to the lowest depths of vice, shame and misery, for, honesty, though our knavery, we may form habits of honesty, or knavery, truth, or falsehood, of industry, or idleness, frugality, or extravagance, of patience, or impatience, self-denial, or self-indulgence, of kindness, cruelty, politeness, rudeness, prudence, perseverance, circumspection, in short, there, is not a virtue, nor a vice, not an act of body, nor of mind, to which we may not be chained down by this despotic power, 5, begin well, it is a great point for young men to begin well, for it is the beginning of life that that system of conduct is adopted which soon assumes the force of habit, begin well, and the habit of doing well will become quite easy, as easy as the habit of doing badly, pitch upon that course of life which is the most excellent, and habit will render it the most delightful, a good name, 1, the longing for a good name, the longing for a good name is one of those laws of nature that were passed for the soul and written down within to urge toward a life of action, and away from small or wicked action, so large is this passion that it is set forth in poetic thought, as having a temple grand as that of Jupiter or Minerva, and up whose marble steps all noble minds struggle the temple of fame, 2. Civilization. Civilization is the ocean of which the millions of individuals are the rivers and torrents. These rivers and torrents swell with those rains of money and home and fame and happiness, and then fall and run almost dry. But the ocean of civilization has gathered up all these waters, and holds them in sparkling beauty for all subsequent use. Civilization is a fertile delta made by the drifting souls of men. 3. Fame. The word, fame, never signifies simply notoriety. The meaning of the direct term may be seen from its negation or opposite, for only the meanest of men are called infamous. They are utterly without fame, utterly nameless, but if fame implied only notoriety, then infamous would possess no marked significance. Fame is an undertaker that pays but little attention to the living, but who bedizens the dead, furnishes out their funerals and follows them to the grave. For Life motive. So in studying that life motive which is called a good name, we must ask the large human race to tell us the high merit of this spiritual longing. We must read the words of the sage, who said long centuries ago that a good name was rather chosen than great riches. Other sages have said as much. Solon said that he that will sell his good name will sell the state. Socrates said, fame is the perfume of heroic deeds. Our Shakespeare said, he lives in fame who died in virtue's cause. 5. Influences of our age. Our age is deeply influenced by the motives called property and home and pleasure. But it is a question whether the generation in action today and the generation on the threshold of this intense life are conscious fully of the worth of an honorable name. 6. Beauty of character. We do not know whether with us all a good name is less sweet than it was with our fathers. But this is painfully evident that our times do not sufficiently behold the beauty of character their sense does not detect quickly enough or love deeply enough this aroma of heroic deeds. 7. Selling out their reputation. It is amazing what multitudes there are who are willing to sell out their reputation, and amazing at what a low price they will make the painful exchange. Some can remark that he would not tell a life or any reward less than an empire. It is not uncommon in our world for a man to sell out all his honor and hopes for a score or a half score of dollars. 8. Prisons overflowing. Our prisons are all full to overflowing of those who took no thought of honor. They have not waited for an empire to be offered them before they would violate the sacred rights of man. 
but many of them have even murdered for a cause that would not have justified even an exchange of words. 9. Integrity the pride of the government. If integrity were made the pride of the government, the love of it would soon spring up among the people. If all fraudulent men should go straight to jail, pitilessly, and if all the most rigid characters were sought out for all political and commercial offices, there would soon come a popular honesty just as there has come a love of reading or of art. It is with character as with any new article the difficulty lies in its first introduction. 10. A new virtue. May a new virtue come into favor. All our high rewards, those from the ballot box, those from employers, the rewards of society, the rewards of the press, should be offered only to the word or the. A few years of rewarding the word or the would result in a wonderful zeal in the young to build up, not physical property, but mental and spiritual word or. 11. Blessing the family group. No young man or young woman can by industry and care reach an eminence in study or art or character, without blessing the entire family group. We have all seen that the father and mother feel that all life's care and labor were at last perfectly rewarded in the success of their child, but had the child been reckless or indolent, all this domestic joy the joy of a large group would have been blighted forever. 12. An honored child. There have been triumphs at Old Rome where victors marched along with many a chariot, many an elephant, and many spoils of the East, and in all times money has been lavished in the efforts of states to tell their pleasure in the name of some general, but more numerous and widespread and beyond expression, by chariot or cannon or drum, have been those triumphal hours, when some son or daughter has returned to the parental hearth beautiful in the wreaths of some confessed excellence, bearing a good name. 13. Rich Criminals We looked at the utter wretchedness of the men who threw away reputation, and would rather be rich criminals in exile than beloved friends and persons at home. 14. An empty, or an evil name. Young and old cannot afford to bear the burden of an empty or an evil name. A good name is a motive of life. It is a reason for that great encampment we call an existence. While you are building the home of tomorrow, build up also that kind of soul that can sleep sweetly on home's pillow and can feel that God is not near as an avenger of wrong, but as the father not only of the verger and the seasons, but of you, the mother's influence. Mother, oh mother, my heart calls for you. Many a summer the grass has grown green, blossomed and faded, our faces between, yet with strong yearning and passionate pain. Long I tonight for your presence again. Elizabeth Ackers Allen. A mother is a mother still, the holiest thing alive. Coleridge. There is none. In all this cold and hollow world, no fount of deep, strong, deathless love, save that within a mother's heart, Mrs. Hemmings, and all my mother came into mine eyes, and gave me up to tears, Shakespeare, 1, her influence, it is true to nature, although it be expressed in a figurative form, that a mother is both the morning and the evening star of life, the light of her eye is always the first to rise, and often the last to set upon man's day of trial, she,